Barbara O'Neill. I read the examples, but what I was supposed to do, give you examples of what to eat. But I gave you examples of how people are healing. But I, I'm sure we can fit the next one in. My first lecture, or the first part of this lecture, and I can fit both into this, is insomnia. The proverb 14 verse 6 says, Knowledge is easy to him that understands. So I want to give you an understanding on why we sleep. And there's a tiny little gland in the base of your brain called the pineal gland. And the pineal gland releases four hormones every night between the hours of 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. You don't have daylight saving here, is that right? No, so I don't have to put daylight saving time. The hormones are serotonin, and serotonin is your mood hormone. The other hormone is arginine vasotocin. And arginine vasotocin is a hormone that puts you into a deep sleep. A lot of people that can't sleep think if they go to bed later, they'll sleep better because I'll get tired, but the opposite's true. The earlier you go to sleep, the more likely you are to fall into a deep sleep because of arginine vasotocin. So arginine vasotocin puts you into a deep sleep and arginine vasotocin is your natural painkiller. Did you know that you have a natural painkiller? And when your body uses the natural painkiller, which it automatically do, will if you've got pain of any sort, a residue is left. And if you don't get rid of that residue, then your natural painkiller can't be released the next night. So what you do to get rid of the residue from using your natural painkiller is exercise. And the most powerful exercise is, we've looked at it a few times, high intensity interval training. See, the high-intensity interval training, these are intervals of going very, very fast and then relaxing. That fast moves blood very fast and increases blood supply to the pineal gland. So it helps your pineal gland to release hormones, more hormones at night. But what the exercise does is it causes a release of the build-up from using your natural painkiller. The other hormone that's released is epithalamin. And epithalamin is a hormone that increases learning capacity. We should never stop learning. It's a misconception that our brain decreases as we get old. Our brain's supposed to get smarter and wiser with age. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And that's why so many people de deteriorate, their minds deteriorate. It's one of the reasons minds are deteriorating, because they stop using them, they stop learning new things. I love the story of the 92-year-old man who learned to play the piano, and the 93-year-old man who graduated from law school. We should never stop learning. So if you go to bed early every night, it'll increase your, increase your learning capacity because of epithalamin. Epithalamin also slows down aging. You find people that have regular late nights, I know especially rock stars, you know, you look at rock stars who were very good looking young men and have a look at them when they're 70, uh, they don't look any good anymore. <laughs> they age very, very quickly because of their continual late nights and other reasons as well, I guess. Also, melatonin. Melatonin is called your fix and rejuvenate nighttime hormone. And this explains why, I've mentioned it a few times this week, that in those hours, that's when healing accelerates. It's in those hours that our, that our brain, our whole body experiences rest, rejuvenation, renewal. So what can you do to increase the output of those hormones? To increase the output of those hormones, exercise. Exercise every day. 
What else can help is laughter. No wonder the proverb says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. What can also increase the output of those hormones is sunshine. Sunshine in the day increases your ability to sleep better at night because sunshine increases the output of these hormones. You see, light and dark signals are fed through the optic nerve to a control centre in the brain where your body clock is located. And your body clock communicates with the pineal gland. So when your eyes are getting sunshine in the day, you actually sleep better at night. Also, sleeping in the dark, because remember, it's the light and dark signals that give the messages through to the brain. Fasting. When you go to bed with an empty tummy, your intestines produce tryptophan. And tryptophan is a key amino acid used in the production of melatonin and serotonin. And that's why we've been hearing about eating breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and tea like a pauper. What, what foods are highest in tryptophan are soy. So your vegetarian protein is the highest in tryptophan. But there are some things you can do that will cause a decrease in the output of these hormones, which are contributing very much to the insomnia we're seeing today. One is worry. What's the old saying? Worry is blind and cannot discern the future. If you're worried about something, get up, write some solutions, write a letter to the person that's bugging you, not on your email, it's too easy to send, send. <laughs> and the other reason why you don't get up and do your email or write it on your iPad is because artificial light is incredibly disruptive to the pineal gland when your eyes have exposure to artificial light in those hours. And the most dangerous artificial light are the screens. That's your television, that's your iPad, that's your iPhone, your computer. And how many people are on those in these hours? one of the biggest disruptors. But you've got exams, you've got to study. Well, you go to bed at eight and get up at four. In fact, there's no problem with exposure at 2.30 or three. It's in these hours that's incredibly disruptive. I think it's one of the biggest contributing factors to the teenage adolescent suicide we're seeing. Because instead of sleeping, especially young brains that haven't fully developed, when they need more rest than adults. I found since I turned 50, six, seven hours a night, that's, it. that's fine for me. But growing minds, growing children, adolescent, teenagers, they need that full eight hours at least. My son puts his little two and a half year old to bed at 5.30 at night and she wakes up at 6.30 in the morning. Bright as a button. <laughs> what also causes a decrease in the output of these hormones is caffeine. In fact, caffeine cuts the output of the hormones in half for six hours. Also alcohol. Alcohol causes a 41% reduction in the output of those hormones. So people often think that little bit of red wine will put them to sleep, but they'll wake with half-charged batteries. Also meat. Meat is very high in an amino acid called methionine. And methionine blocks the action of tryptophan. So let's have a look. I know in Australia, how many people don't exercise? They're so stressed out, not much laughter. They never see sunshine. They're working in an office that has no windows. 
And how often do people not sleep in the dark because of the bright lights? And how many in their bedroom have all the bright lights, you know, from their computers and iPads being charged? And how many people, I know in Australia, they have breakfast like a pauper, lunch like a pauper, tea's king and queen together. And on top of that, they're in a stressful society. They don't know the great God of heaven and they're stressed out. And they're on the screens till midnight and they're drinking coffee, alcohols. No wonder they can't sleep. Let me give you the story of a man I met in Florida. He wanted to see me. When he got out of the car, he was a very fit um, black American guy. And I looked at him and I thought I was about 50. No, he's 65. He owns a gym. He's very, very fit. I said, what's your problem? He said, I can't sleep. So I put my detective hat on. When did it start? He said, it started 10 years ago. He said, 10 years ago, I had a test, a blood test, and I had high eosinophils. In my lecture tonight, I'm going to explain eosinophils. Eosinophils are a white blood cell. We've got five different types of white blood cells, as you'll see tonight when I look at the immune system. He said, I had high eosinophils. And he said to the doctor, is that a problem? And the doc said, not really, don't worry about it. A friend of him his, is a pathologist and he saw the blood test and he said, oh dear. I said, what's the matter? He said, you've got eosinophilia. The guy said, what's that? And the pathologist said, all I can say to you, mate, is just spend more time with your family. He didn't sleep that night. In other words, he took it as a death sentence. He thought, what am I going to do? He said, I've got two adolescent children. I've got, a, I've got my house that's mortgaged. I've got a business that's just starting. So he worried all night long, fitful night. And this started a process of not sleeping. After about a month, his body now is in the habit of not sleeping. He found out he didn't have eosinophilia at all. In fact, he found out a few years later that this pathologist had done the same thing to several people. That's why you're the doctor. You read your body. Tests can be wrong. A lady told me that her, her brother's 58 and he had frequent urination, so they were going to do a test on his prostate. He was under operation. They did a test. The test went, he did, they did a biopsy. They went down to test it and it came back. He's got prostate cancer. So they basically took his prostate out. They found out a week later that it was the wrong test result. It was the test result of a 78-year-old man. Sometimes tests are wrong. That's why whenever you get a result, you say, thank you for your advice. I'm just going to get a few opinions on this. Oh. I know what it's like, though, when you're in operating theatre. We often used to do it. We'd take a biopsy, then we're all waiting. If it comes back um, positive, the op's done. If it's not positive, you sew them up and leave it. So can you see this man? It was worrying. It was worrying. He went to a health retreat to try and get help, and the lady at the health retreat said, if I had a stick, I'd hit you, because she said, you need to smile. She said, what you're doing is you're ruining yourself. She said, and when she said, I'd like to get a stick and hit you, she wanted to shake him out of it. <laughs> but you know, he got into the habit of it. And then now he had this terrible habit of just worry, worry, worry. The body can get habits just like we are creatures of habit. And so when I consulted with this man, he said, it is much better than it was. He said, I now realise I am not seriously ill. I said, do you, and do you know why you had high eosinophils? 
I said, you've got a gluten intolerance. Because when you have an intolerance to wheat, your white blood cell called eosinophil, it rises. It's as simple as that. And if you'd stopped the wheat, your eosinophils would have come back down. So I went through this with him. I said, tick the boxes. I didn't have to talk to him about exercise. He's doing lots of that. But he actually wasn't drinking enough water. He also had a lot, lot of technology in his room. I said, what I want you to do if you wake in the night, and he still was waking a couple of times, but he was now getting about four hours in, a, in one time, which he was happy about. I said, what I want you to do when you wake up is I want you to be incredibly grateful that you're not outside in a ditch and it's raining. I want you to be very, very thankful that you're not in a Siberian, Siberian work camp with a bit of newspaper for a blanket. I want you to be very, very thankful that you're not lying in bed unable to sleep because you were beaten to a pulp. <laughs> Do you know one thing that's probably the most guilty of stopping people sleeping is annoyance. Because many people, when they wake up and they look at the time and it's only one o'clock or two o'clock, they get really annoyed. Is that right? And if you get annoyed, I can promise you right now, you will never go back to sleep. <laughs> it's called the attitude of gratitude. Is that right? One lady said to me, my little boy, he's 11, he can't, he can't sleep. I said, oh, what time does he go to bed? 8.30. When does he wake? 11. What does he do? What do you think he does? He gets his iPad out and he starts playing games or he starts watching things. Well, when, as soon as those lights go into those eyes, between those, our pineal gland just shuts down. She said, well, what'll he do? I said, get him a little head torch and get him a book. He can read a book. <laughs> or he can just lie there. When I was in uh, America last time, it was the second day, and it takes a little while, you know, for the body to get used to where it is. And I remember one night, I didn't get to sleep till three in the morning, and I was very challenged to practice what I preached. So I laid there and I just was very thankful that I was in a comfortable bed. I was very thankful for where I was. I was very, I just, you just go through all the things you can be thankful for. I finally fell asleep at three and I woke up at seven, which is a big sleep in for me. You know, I functioned very well that day, very well. It's amazing what you can do on little sleep. I remember when I was um, mother, well, I'm still a mother, but when I had a little baby and a toddler and sometimes I'd have a cold, I used to sleep with my babies because I just got more sleep. If they wake to feed, I'd just stick them on and just go back to sleep. I slept with all my babies. And I, I know that if I could get four hours, I could function well on that. And I look back and think, I wonder if I functioned well because I thought I'd function well. You know, Proverbs, 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think four hours sleep is fantastic, it will be. And if you think four hours sleep is terrible, guess what? It will be. <laughs> it will be. And so you can retrain your mind. You can retrain your mind to be very thankful for it. I was reading an article on a magazine. It was Time magazine on sleep. And they said, sleeping tablets don't do a lot because the person doesn't get quality of sleep. And they also found that it, um, you know, they got addicted to the, to the sleeping tablets. But what this article said, the most, the most effective thing with, with insomnia is cognitive behaviour therapy. 
So let me give you an example of cognitive behaviour therapy. I had a lady do our program and she said, I'm so annoyed. She said, I wake up at 2.30 every day. Every day I wake up at 2.30. She said, it just drives me crazy. She heard this lecture and I said, now, when you wake up at 2.30, you can look at your clock and say, fantastic. I've got my hours of power. All I have to do now is doze <laughs> and plan my day. <clears throat> and she found that because she wasn't getting annoyed, she started to go back to sleep. Because <laughs> that's all those hours are. They're just your, your dozing hours. They're your hours of power. I married a night owl. When I married Michael 21 years ago, <coughs> he used to put his two children to bed. They were uh, 11 and 13, I think, because he'd been a single mother for, father for quite a while. He put the kids to bed <coughs> about 7 o'clock, and then he whizzed down to the office. And he'd stay there till often midnight. So when we married, I said, I have claims at 8.30. <laughs> I have claims on my husband. Anyway, about once every two weeks he'd say, I just got to do it. I just, I'm, I'm behind in the office, I just got to do it. And of course I never nagged because you know, it never does any good. Did you know that? You never nag because it never does any good. Do you know he's not a night owl anymore? Because he discovered, yes, no one rings you at midnight, but no one rings you at five o'clock in the morning, have you noticed that? So if he has extra work to do today, He'll go to bed at 8, 8.30 and he'll wake up at 4 or 4.30 or 5 and he'll do two hours in the office before breakfast. And he has discovered that he can do so much more early morning, depending or compared to at night when you're falling asleep. And he also discovered that if he went to bed at 1 in the morning, it, it, his day was wiped out. But going to bed early and getting up early, because he's getting those hours of power, he's not wiped out the next day. So I can't even remember the last time he had a late night. So if someone says, oh, I'm just a night owl. Well, if you say that, you'll always be a night owl. Is that right? What you can do is say, I used to be a night owl. <laughs> but I'm starting to become a day person. So as you can see, you can get so much more out of your day, so much more out of your life, if you're sleeping in those hours. Again, check your room, check your bedroom. The technology shouldn't be there. If it's there, it should be way in the far corner. If you've got a television or a computer in your room, it should be switched off at the PowerPoint. So it's not giving off that electromagnetic field. So you've got to tick the boxes. And if you've done all of that, if you've ticked all the boxes and you're still not sleeping, well, just remember that when you wake, be very thankful. Be very thankful that you're not tied down to a rack and about to be stretched. Be very thankful you're in a comfortable bed. Be very thankful for all that God has done for you. And little by little, you can train yourself back into sleep. So the other question that I've been asked is to talk on thyroid. And the thyroid controls metabolism. So if someone's got an overactive thyroid gland, everything's fast, 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 fast. They can't sit still, heart's beating fast. They, they almost can't eat enough food to fill them. But if someone's got underactive thyroid gland, everything's slow, slow, slow. They're tired all the time, hair's not growing properly. Oh, I've still got a flower in my hair. Maybe their hair's even falling out. They put on weight, digestion's slow, they can get constipated. Whereas someone with hyperactive can get diarrhea. Can you see when you understand what the thyroid does and the thyroid controls metabolism, you can see these things. Now, Dr. David Brownstein, this is an excellent book, and he's considered the world expert on iodide. <clears throat> Dr. David Brownstein, he's written a book, and it's called 
iodine, why you need it and why you can't live without it. And he shows that under and overactive thyroid can be caused by an iodine deficiency. So iodine, do we just get iodized salt? No, because within an hour of opening the iodized salt, you know the iodine's all evaporated? So you don't even get iodine in kelpic salt because it evaporates. But when vegetables are grown near the sea, the waves crash and then the iodine goes into a gaseous form and lands on the sea. So foods that are grown near the sea usually have iodine in them. And also seaweed type foods, they can have iodine in them. But most people that have low iodine, they have low iodine because they're eating foods that contain things that compete with the iodine, and one is bromide. Bromide is used as a bread improver, and it competes with iodine on the receptor sites. And bromide is found in insecticide sprays that are used to spray berries. And how many people have frozen berries in smoothies for breakfast? So if you do have frozen berries and smoothies for breakfast, um, make sure they're organic. So, um, and also most breads, as I said, have the bromide in it as a bread improver. Do you know in about the 50s, they used to put iodine in as a bread improver, but now they put bromide in, which competes with it. So there are some things you can do to help thyroid function. High oestrogen opposes thyroid function. So the Anna's Wild Yam Cream, and we talked about this last night. So the Anna's Wild Yam Cream boosts progesterone. And remember what I showed you, when you boost progesterone, you automatically bring oestrogen down. So everyone with a thyroid issue should be on the Anna's Wild Yam Cream to help balance those hormones. Now the cabbage family, contain a plant chemical called goitrogens. And goitrogens inhibit thyroid function. But when you cook the cabbage family, it basically disarms the goitrogens. So if someone's got overactive thyroid, they should be having lots of raw cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, even cabbage juice, because that can slow down the thyroid. But if someone's got underactive thyroid gland, they shouldn't eat any raw cabbage, but they can eat the cooked, because the cooking disarms the goitrogens. High intensity interval training brings balance back into the thyroid because it increases blood supply to the thyroid. So the high intensity interval training, especially underactive, it just wakes it up. And the overactive, it can actually balance it out. Now mercury has an affinity for a, a mineral called selenium. And selenium is required by the thyroid to convert iodine into thyroxine. If someone has mercury fillings in their mouth, it can gobble up all their selenium. And if someone's on a high fish diet with its mercury, that can gobble up the selenium. So if someone has thyroid problems, they should have their mercury fillings removed. The good news is the food that's the highest in selenium is Brazil nuts. And you only need five Brazil nuts a day to give you all the selenium you need for that day. Iodine. There's a very simple test that you can do to check what your iodine levels are. Now there's a solution and with Google today, you'll be able to get it. It's called Lugol's Solution. And Lugol's Solution contains iodine and iodine. Most chemists will sell it. And Glugel's solution, being iodine, you can put one drop on the inside of your arm. 
up about there and it'll make a brown smudge. And what you do is every hour or so you check the colour of that smudge. And if in one hour there's no brown smudge, your iodine levels are very low. Because if your iodine levels are low and you put the iodine on the skin, it'll grab it. But if there's a semblance of brown, still five hours later, your iodine levels are good. So what do you do if they're low? You just put the iodine every day until it stays there for five hours. It's that simple. Putting it on the skin allows you to monitor it. And also putting it on the skin means the body just takes what it needs. So that's a very simple way of finding out if what your iodine levels are like. So that's basically how you can help your iodine. Sorry, help, help your thyroid. So overactive, and tomorrow morning we're going to be looking at um, natural remedies. Overactive thyroid gland, apply ice. And what you do is one minute on and one minute off, and you do that probably about five times. And if your overactive thyroid gland is very active, you might do that three or four times a day. But if your thyroid gland is underactive, then you can apply a cane pepper compress. And if you apply the cane pepper compress, you might apply that for maybe three hours a day. And I'll be showing you tomorrow morning how to make one. You basically get a couple of sheets of kitchen paper, cut it the size of the thyroid gland, which is just here, and put a little bit of oil on it, and then sprinkle cane pepper on it. That'll just make it stick, and then just put it straight on the thyroid gland, cover it with a bit of plastic and tie it round your neck. What you'll find is that after about half an hour, it'll get really, really hot, and then it'll calm down a bit, and then it might get hot again. You just keep it for three hours. I was telling the guests at our health retreat about the cane pepper compress, and that night, one of our guests who had an underactive thyroid gland, she said to one of our staff, I'd really like to try it. This is about six o'clock. So they put it on her thyroid gland and left it there till about 8.30 when she went to bed. Then she took it off. I saw her in the morning. She said, I've got some good news and bad news. She said, the bad news is I didn't sleep all night and the good news is it worked. <laughs> so don't put it on in the afternoon. Because remember what your thyroid does? Controls metabolism. So that you would put that on in the morning. Now what I've also been asked to do is write down what do you eat for breakfast? Let's put a few breakfasts up. Now I find a lot of guests today that come to our retreat, they're very, very busy and sometimes their bachelor or they want a quick breakfast. So they'll have a smoothie. So what they'll have in their smoothie is you put a cup of fluid. Now that cup of fluid could be coconut water or it could be almond milk or it could be an organic soy milk, some sort of fluid. And then one tablespoon of protein powder and the protein powder you might get the protein powder from hemp you can get some quite good hemp protein powders or it might be made from brown rice or one that we use is made from bean or pea sometimes it's called pea protein powder or you could get organic soy and then one tablespoon of coconut cream. 
That makes it nice and creamy. Cocoa. Don't know what happened there. Nut. Cream. And then some fruit. And if a person's a diabetic and trying to or trying to lose weight, they might use berries, but if they're not a diabetic and they're not trying to lose weight, they might use a banana. Banana makes it quite nice. If someone's wanting to keep off the fruit, avocado makes it quite nice and creamy. Berries are very nice, so it's whatever works for you. And then chia seed, you might put, uh, say, two teaspoons of chia seed and maybe two teaspoons of ground flax and some people like adding some green leaves to make it a green smoothie now if you like that if it takes you all the way to lunch do it but not everyone wants a smoothie for breakfast but that is something you can do so here we've got another breakfast and another breakfast may be fruit and if you're trying to conquer diabetes, you should do the low GI fruits. If you want to lose weight, low GI fruits. What are your low GI fruits? You can Google that, but it's mostly your berries, kiwi fruit. I'm not sure about your island fruit. What's that on the GI? And then you might have millet. Or you might have oats. Or you might have rice. Or you might have quinoa. Or you might have, um, what's another one? Buckwheat. It's just whatever you like. And a great way to put that in is a slow cooker. Then you wake up in the morning and it's there. And then with that, you might put a sweetener. And the best sweetener would be honey or palm sugar or it might be maple syrup or you might just do stewed apple. Especially if you're a diabetic and want to keep away from the sweetness. That can go in your fruit. If you aren't a diabetic. And then on top of that, you might put coconut cream. It makes it very nice. Or you might put almond milk. It's whatever you like. Or you might like soy milk. And then on top of that, you might put chia, chia seeds, flax, nuts. And this is number three breakfast. So let's say you want to go a more savoury breakfast. For a more savoury breakfast, you might have avocado. Avocado, tomato, carne tomato. Well, don't eat it. Your cucumber, spinach. And then you might have some rice and you might have some beans, black beans, kidney beans, lentils. So we've got about, about eight breakfasts there. Yes? You can. But they're not good if you're a diabetic or if you're wanting to lose weight. That's why you play with that. But if you're a diabetic and wanting to lose weight, you're better to just go stewed apple. It's very low GI. Yeah? Pardon? Coconut milk. Whatever. I don't know. Might be. <laughs> coconut, coconut, coconut milk is runnier than coconut cream, that's all. 
Coconut water is not milk or cream. Coconut water is the water from the green coconut. Well, you can do what you like with the chi. You can pour it on dry. Don't worry, within minutes, and, and that food will be in your stomach for. If you want to, you can. But when you eat dried chia, by the time it's coming out of your stomach, it's all jellied. And it's getting jellied from your, your liquids. Or you can mix it with water and pour it on in like a jelly form. It's whatever works. Any questions on the breakfast? And the beauty of these breakfasts is there's no bread. Now, if you can get a gluten, if you can get a really nice spelt sourdough bread, you might have toast with avocado and tomato. When I go away, that's what my husband has because he doesn't know how to cook. If you can have a hearty breakfast, and if you can feed your family a hearty breakfast, and they're going to be at school, or they're going to be in the office, or they're going to be at work all day, you can often get away with just giving them a fairly light lunch, and then have the main meal as soon as they get home. So we'll look at some lunches. Now what I have for lunch, it's probably similar to what we had today. I always have veggies, I always have some sort of protein, and I always have a big salad. But what do you do when, when you're going to work or school? You know, a very easy lunch is rice wraps. Are you familiar with rice wraps? You get rice paper, you dry the rice paper, you just dip it in water, and the sky's the limit what you put in there. You can put marinated tofu in, you can put avocado, heaps of veggies. And you can make them the night before. And that's a gluten-free option if you're wanting to get away from bread. So you can have rice wraps. And you can also do some salads very easy. And with the salad, you can have something like hummus. Or you can have marinated tofu. So we're looking now at your proteins. You can include some nuts and seeds. Or you might be able to take a thermos of soup or take some soup and heat it up and the soup can be veggie and legume. she always had the main meal ready when the kids got home from school. And she, she'd just give them a hearty breakfast and at lunch she'd just give them an orange. They don't eat much at school anyway, do they? And they're hungry when they get home. So dinner depends on you, depends on what you do, depends on when you get home, depends on whether you're able to have a decent lunch. But a great light dinner is soup. Sky's the limit, pumpkin soup, minestrone soup, whatever works. If you're hungry, have three bowls of soup. <laughs> or you could have a salad, that's a nice light. Or you could have fruit, but for people who are wanting to conquer cancer, conquer diabetes, conquer weight loss, they're better to go the more savoury. Or some people will just have a smoothie. as long as most of your food is eaten at breakfast and lunch. Then you don't need much at night, if anything. Some people will have a vegetable juice at night. That can work. I met a man in America, he told me that he grew up on a farm there were five boys in the home. 
And the mother and the father were very strict. Breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, tea like a pauper. Now these strong young boys, they were, at, they were outside on the farm building fences, driving tractors, and they were hungry at night. So you know what they did? Jumped in the car and went to town and ate junk. So what that mother would have been better to do would be provide something like this. Because growing boys... They often need a little bit at night. But if they have a hearty lunch, they might not. So that's what you play with. You play with the evening. But it is true, when you lie down to sleep with a full stomach, that can interfere with proper sleep. When you lay down to sleep at night, your stomach needs to sleep too. And if it's full of food, it's not going to sleep well. And that can be a contributing factor to insomnia. Can you mix vegetables and fruit? I don't advocate mixing vegetables and fruit because they can cause a bit of a war in the stomach. So we usually serve fruit at one meal and vegetable at another. But did you know that cactus, a cactus fruit, which is pineapple, that can go with either. But when you juice, there's no digestion. So you can put apple and carrot together in a juice. So it doesn't really cause a problem. Uh, yes? Is it true that one should not eat fruits after dinner? It depends what the meal is. But if you have a vegetable meal, you're best not eating fruit after that. And a lot of people think fruit is a healthy dessert. <laughs> well, it is healthier than black forest chocolate cake and it is healthier than ice cream and chocolate flavouring. That is true. But um, that's why if you want something sweet, the slice of pineapple is nice after a, a vegetable meal. Also, banana is considered a herb. So banana is another fruit that, that could go after a veggie meal. Are there any questions? Yeah. Berries do contain bromide. Bromide is, is used in the spray. So if you're using berries for your smoothie, make sure they're organic. What they what they do to their berries, yeah. If you look at blueberries on the vine, they have that, and it's not spray; it's just a natural lightness on the blueberries. It's like a it looks like they've got white on them. Have you ever seen blueberries? Pick blueberries off the vine, organic. They're there. That's what it said. A vegetable wash to get the spray off. The spray's all through the fruits and vegetables. So it's right through. <laughs> Barbara, sorry, just a clarification. You say that vegetable and fruit should not go together. Yeah. Uh, it, what it is is or. 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 <laughs> oh. Now, we're not talking about the meals we're having here. These people that are providing the meals, they're doing the best they can. But they don't realise. They probably think that it's really good because they're not serving junk. And it's not the odd day you do it or the odd day you don't. It's what you do every day that matters. That's, that's what makes the difference. I think we're providing, we're providing the 
That is true. You've got the option there. You can have the fruit or the vegetable. <laughs> They require different digestive enzymes to break them down. It's because fruit is high in fibre, high in sugars, low in minerals. But your vegetable are high in fibre, high in minerals, but they're low in sugars. So they're, they're made up of in different ways. Now, people with cast iron stomachs seem to be able to handle it all. As I said, it's... it's, uh, it's it's better to have fruit after a meal than to have ice cream, but it's actually better not to have it. What happened uh, for people who uh, have death out of their... Have... Have uh, fruits and vegetables in the meal, and then uh, what would happen to them? I mean, for example, a lot of people are... Okay, what would happen if someone had fruit and vegetables at a meal? Ask them. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Because... Would there be any side effects? Because a lot of people would not... Do you, do you know, as I said, some people can't handle it, some people can't handle it at all. You, you're the doctor there. But if someone's got a cast iron stomach and they just throw everything in, the day will come when they won't have a cast iron stomach. So you, you're best to, to, to do what works best. I mean, what are the side effects from your diarrhea? Do you know, how long's a piece of string? You know, it can. You know, some people will experience bloating, but if they don't mix the two, they don't experience bloating, and the next person won't. So it's so that's why you're the doctor there. You keep adjusting. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, don't do it. Well, I think it's just about tea time. So I'll say I'll say a final prayer and we'll have a break. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, your foods, your your human body that you've given us as a trust. May we be relentless, Father, in pursuing the proper ways to get better health. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Amen. And remember, Kale has a lot of iodine for the smoothie.